Welcome to the Librarian Influencers Podcast. Each week, our host, Dr. Laura Shinneman, dives deep into school library topics to help you build your skills and take charge of your own professional development. Her mission is to create an environment where librarians flourish and become lifelong learners. Now, on to today's podcast. I'd like to welcome everyone to the Librarian Influencers Podcast, and today I'm very excited to have Robin Spencer with us. So Robin, go ahead and tell us a little bit about your background in the library. Sure. Well, um, I've loved libraries since I was a kid. In third grade, my librarian read us Old Yeller, which made me cry, but made me excited at the same time because <laughs> she, I'm from Michigan originally, and she used so many dialects and inflections with her voice. And I sat there enthralled thinking, this is what I want to do. I want to make kids love stories. I want to make kids love books. And this is exactly what I want to do. I want to read to kids. I want to be an elementary school librarian. So I love it. In third grade, that was a dream of mine. And I worked in the library in in elementary school, in junior high, and in high school. When I got out of high school and began college, um, I worked in a public library. I worked in a college library. And... Um, and it was great. I loved it all. And I ultimately um, got married before I finished my four-year degree. And, um, but then later I went back to school and got my teaching certification. Okay. So then the opportunity came for me to be the librarian at the school that I taught kindergarten at. And I went back and received my master's and in 2005, I was able to live my dream Yay. and become an elementary school librarian. That's so for the last 15 years, that is what I've done. Okay. So only elementary. Were you at the same school that whole time too? Yes, I was. Oh my gosh. What a wonderful experience. <laughs> it was a blessing. <laughs> yes. And for the kids, because they, so many, you know, they would know you and their siblings would know you, their families would know you. Yes. What a wonderful experience that is. Great. All right. So it's been a while from what you were just saying, but what do you remember about those earliest years in the library? What was that experience like for you? Well, again, it was a fulfillment of a dream, so it was totally exciting. But the things that I remember that I know that will help librarians up and coming um, are that you really have to get to know your teachers and you have to advocate for yourself because the position as a librarian in a school is not everywhere, as, mm-hmm. as I think we probably already know, but it can be if we show the value of our position. Okay. And so I know that when I went in there, I went in there with an understanding of that, that if they wanna do budget cuts, my job could potentially be on the line. So I went, I jumped right in with the idea, the mindset that I was going to show them that they could not afford to lose me. And so I went to teachers. Of course, it helped that I knew them because I had worked there. Um, But we always get new teachers. We're right next to um, the military uh, installation. And so we we have a huge turnover of children and of teachers every year. Okay. So... Um, but I, I really, 
endeared myself to the teachers, went to them and said, what is it you want to see in the library? What is it that you want to happen? I went to my uh, principal and let my principal know that I was there as a support in any way that they needed me. Mm -hmm. And um, those things were were very helpful um, in in regards to cementing my my place in the in in the in the school in mm -hmm. the school entity in the school um, uh, culture. And what I found was it's still you're still your own entity. You're still this own person that nobody understands what you do. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so therefore you just really have to kind of keep putting yourself out there. Um, I, I had a teacher when I made a remark once, so to kind of go along with what didn't work well, um, I had a teacher that made a remark to me when I was just a year out of school, when I suggested uh, something to her, um, she said, I think you've been out of the classroom too long. You just do not understand what I have to do as a teacher. And this was in regards to um, the end of the school year. She wanted me to take the kids on a field trip. And, um, and I had said to her, well, I can't do this alone. And she wanted it to be as, as a reward for their reading incentive program, which I didn't buy into because of the research that I knew and understood. And yeah. I said, this is your program and these are your children. And I said, I would think you would want to go and be involved in their field trip. Mm -hmm. And she said, oh, you've been out of the classroom too long. I guess you don't remember what it takes to empty a classroom. And I've got to do that. And I need a day to do that. So you need to take the kids, oh which is again, not my role. And so it, 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 again, it just, you know, even after a year of, of, almost a year of, you know, nurturing and, and showing these teachers what I had to offer as a professional, um, as a fellow professional who was a teacher and understood, um, you know, how to teach students to read and the culture of education and everything. Mm -hmm. um, you're still not the be all end all, <laughs> and you're still not as important as what they have to do and accomplish. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was kind of my my realization was that it was, you know, in Texas, you have to have, you have to be a teacher first. And it, it is just a very different environment. Yeah. And I don't um, know who, who you replaced. Like, did you replace another professional or? Yes. Yes. We were blessed in our district to continue to have, to have professionals when I began uh, in the classroom okay. and right on through to, you know, to now. So yeah. we have had, Unfortunately, we have had some budget cuts. We lost four librarians, and I currently run two libraries. Mm -hmm. okay. So, you okay. know, different, yeah. but yeah. okay. <laughs> I know when I started, I actually, I was the first ever certified librarian. It had been wow. always run by paras um, in, in the district where I was at. And so I had a big adjustment of helping the teachers realize the difference of like what I could do, you know, versus the kind of help that they had before. So that's why I was curious, you know, what, what the background, um, when you replace someone, well, you, you're the first person I think that's mentioned military. And I know my sister, they're a military family. So I've got two nieces and a nephew um, that come, go back and forth between overseas, you know, yeah. schools and American schools over here. Um, do you, what kind of special or unique things do you 
do you come up to your mind when you think about working with the military families? Well, of course, we kind of have the psychology behind what happens with different moves and deployments. Um, so you always have to be aware that your audience in both your children and your parents um, have unique circumstances. Mm -hmm. And but that's really nice to tap into as a librarian because um, your book selection, um, you know, can be I, I feel like um, that more diversity is accepted and um, really embraced okay. because people have been all over and because we have people from everywhere in mm -hmm. within our district. Um, and so and then and then when there are deployments and different uh, movements going on, um, you have to be aware of those. And so you have to be aware of the kids and what's going on in their lives that, you know, there could be a lot of different dynamics going on. Mm -hmm. And so in reaching out to the kids and reaching out to their parents, you know, we we don't have things like grandparents day or, you know, because we don't, most of our kids don't have their grandparents here or in their lives close by. A lot of them do, but, but there are, uh, the majority don't. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, when you have events in the library, you have to be mindful of those things. Yeah. Um, when you have, we had like, we have celebrity reader events and to tap into bringing the military um, people there. Um, our career days, which, you know, we help to uh, support in the library. Mm -hmm. um, you know, those things are, are very geared and slanted towards uh, careers that include the military. Um, and even, even like weather forecasting and such, we have a big weather uh, squadron. That's, in fact, they are our adopt-a-school unit. Mm -hmm. And we're very blessed to have that within our school district as well, that we have um, adopt-a-school uh, units um, battalions or, co or companies and their soldiers will come and do various things within our school. So I've gotten them to do read alouds. I've got, I included them in a poetry night that we did and, and uh, they are very happy to be a part of those things. They like to help with book fairs and those kinds of things. So it's a great community to tap into. That's awesome. Very awesome. Great tips too. So do you have anything else that you're thinking about when you're, when you think back to yourself at the beginning, any other tips or advice that you would have told yourself or wish that you had known? Um, I, I would also say one, one of the things um, that you, I didn't do this right away, but I had gone to um, uh, a, a seminar and um, one of the things you, you need to do is get right in with your principal and perhaps give them a copy of the principal's guide to po a powerful library program because okay. what I found out after the fact was that principals really don't understand what we do and yet many times they're our evaluators mm -hmm. many times they're the decision as to whether or not you're valuable on campus to give that information to the to the hierarchy. Okay. Um, and so having them have a better understanding of what you do is important. Okay. Um, what I found was they really didn't know the difference between what a good program looked like and a, and, a, and a subpar one looked like. And so therefore, 
if, if they had been a principal before, they only had to go by what somebody before them had done, what a librarian before them had done. And in many cases, if it wasn't powerful, um, you know, as long as people weren't, that was my fault. But as long as people weren't complaining, the principals felt like, I don't have to worry about this. I wanted to be oh so much more than that. I wanted them to know, you know, what I had to offer in support of them and their mission, which yeah. is, you know, ultimately the same as the teachers, but yet it is different mm -hmm. because the teachers are the ones in the classroom and their reality is different from the principal's reality. Okay. Um, so I don't know if I've seen that principal's guide before, so maybe if you can share a link with me or if it's a book, you know, if we can get a link to, the, to that, then we can share that in the show notes with people because that would be, sounds like it would be an awesome. Yes, I do have several books and magazines I will share with you. I did oh. not put them on a slide and I should have, but I will because I think they're great resources oh. and um, some of them are real easy reads, but yet powerful. So okay. I would love for them to have those resources. So I will definitely share those. Okay. All right. Well, so you've got several years of, of experience in the library, and I'm sure that, that you've seen over that time that just the influence that you've had on campus has just grown and changed and really bloomed as, you know, you've had more opportunities. How would you describe that influence that, that librarians can have? Um, a big thing is, is, is how we fit in with the curriculum piece. Okay. Um, and so I think that the biggest influence that I feel that I have made over the course of, of these years is, is for them to realize, and, and for our curriculum instructors to realize how powerful we are in helping support the curriculum, how much we know about it, and um, how much we can make a difference in supporting it. Mm -hmm. So. Um, I, I encourage anybody to advocate for yourself as a professional developer and okay. that they don't have to pay tons of money to bring outside people in to, to give professional development to the campus, to the district, um, at whatever level you are encouraged and, uh, and are able, able to do because okay. that is huge. Um, you really get yourself out there. You're hopefully you're engaging because that that should be you know your passion for this, your passion for your field, your passion for wanting to make a difference in the school at as a librarian should come through in everything that you do. Mm -hmm. And so as a professional developer, you're letting those teachers know that look, I have resources for you that you don't you know. Yes, I have books. I have resources for you beyond um, beyond what you know, yeah. and so being able to share those resources with them at uh, you know maybe given given time at the beginning of the year for uh, when the when the teachers have to come back for professional development, yeah, or at a summer tech camp. Um, yeah. We as librarians were very in in our district were very influential for a couple of years there when we had a curriculum uh, director at the administration level who really saw the value in that. And she took our uh, technology instruction, instructional uh, people and the librarians and then the curriculum people. And we all did rotations at a tech camp in our district level. And then the teachers could sign up for different things. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the most powerful place that people got an inkling of, wow, you know, yeah. they are really a font of knowledge. 
-hmm. And I, of course, came to uh, to my um, uh, to, I guess came to fruition at a time when the Web 2.0 tools were really just beginning, and a lot of teachers were not had not just finished their degree. They had finished their degree in a time when this was just really scary to them. And so, um, so we were able to help them through it, give them before school or during their conference time um, classes and, uh, you know, just 10 minute helps, 10 minute hints, starting to put things up into the um, types of platforms that we were developing online. And so anytime that you can help show that you understand curriculum, that you understand whatever your, um, you know, for in Texas, it's the Texas Potential Knowledge and Skills, you know, whatever your guidelines are for teaching curriculum, that you have a knowledge of that. You know, I, I when I created my lessons for the library, I always put down, and, and I had to turn these into the principal, I always put down the text that I was addressing. You know, what is the, are the curriculum things you're addressing? I always knew what our weaknesses were, and I always went to the teachers and said, look, what do you need this to look like for you this year? You know, you've been to meetings with the principals and the curriculum director, and what is their focus for you? And then how can I help you with that through my lessons in the library? Beautiful. So you were really showcasing the instructional partner side. You know, yeah. that. that is great. So from there, is there any kind of influence that you would want to work on moving forward? Well, I need to get back into really working more with the teachers again i kind of in some of that those professional development roles i got more into working with the curriculum director and and things at the admin level and okay. i really haven't for the last couple of years like gone to the and a lot of that has to do with numbers and and changing now uh the way that the, the school changed the way that my schedule looked and i didn't have as much um, I don't want to use the word downtime because there's never downtime, <laughs> right. but just time that I wasn't with students. Yeah. And so, and so that, that prohibited me from going into, and, and, and the, the natural time um, that you could really go in to help the teachers is when they're doing planning mm -hmm. because uh, they were already there together as a grade level. And right. you weren't asking them to meet at a time when it was difficult. It was difficult for them all to get together. Um, and I wasn't taking up their whole planning time, but I was coming in and, and maybe even just listening, you know, listening to what's going on and then going, okay, I see where I can help you here. Will that work for you? Do you see that as being, you know, a, a good way for me to step in and give you support in that way? Um, because I would even do an, usually one with every grade level per year i will um i will go in and i will say i'm going to take a grade on this assignment it's going to be an assignment we do together and i will do the grading for them and they were like oh. and so the last couple of years that's been harder to pull off so i need to get back into doing that that was golden what you were saying about um being a professional developer i know like when i first started going to conferences like state conferences that kind of thing i would always look for things i was working on you know family literacy and everything i would attack you know was family literacy workshops but i found more recently that i'm looking for things about um i'll be at a library workshop or a technology um, conference but i'm looking for professional development training 
you know, what yes. I'm, how can I be a better professional developer? Um, I agree with you because yeah. I also looked, in fact, I remember going to one conference and it was canceled and I was, it was like going to be a real big pre-conference and a, about a good, I don't know, I think it was like three hours in the morning and three hours in the afternoon and this was a dynamic person and oh, it got canceled and I was broken hearted because who wants to go to professional development? Nobody. They all want to be in the classroom. I remember all this. Even me, I want to be in my library doing things. Uh -huh. And they want to be in the classroom, setting up the classroom. So yeah, I agree with you. We, you want to make it as interesting as possible. Yeah. 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 So I, I would, I, and there's even cute little books, you know, that have just quick little ways to engage and, you know, mm -hmm. so great, great things out there. Yeah. And I have a resource that I'll share, uh, Growing Schools Librarians as Professional Developers. Ah, all right. Now you've, you mentioned reading aloud early on when we were talking. Um, talk a little bit more about the value you see in that. Sure. Well, that is again the thing that wanted that that gave me the passion to want to be there, and I still absolutely that's that's my best, my most favorite thing to do is to read a lot of the kids, just to uh -huh. share the joy of the story, to share the interaction with the kids and the joy of the story, mm -hmm. and it cannot be uh, cannot cannot be said enough how important that is. And of course, early childhood is my major. Okay. And so I understand and have done the research um, on how you need to take those windows of opportunity when kids are five and below and really read aloud to them. Yeah. And of course, we don't get them until, you know, if you're in a school with pre-K, then you might have three and four-year-olds. But, you know, for the most part, you're getting the kids at, you know, at, I mean, I'm speaking to elementary librarians as that's my my passion and mm -hmm. and my experience but um i can tell you right now that even if you're if you're listening and you're a secondary uh teacher i mean librarian um it is still powerful to read aloud to kids my fifth graders absolutely loved it and when i could i mean i i know there were several years in there and the school's kind of getting back to some read aloud time with the way that the curriculum has has you know come around it changes every three years when we get a new curriculum director yeah. But anyway, but um, the the power of reading aloud cannot be, I, I cannot speak enough to it. Mm -hmm. um, the children are engaged. They love it. Um, they, it. I have teachers that understand the value of it and use it as an incentive. I, I have teachers that say to me, well, I don't have time for read alouds. I don't, I don't have time to, to use the suggestion that you gave me. I can't do that. And um, as I said, it's gotten better now because now they have to put read alouds within their, um, within their lesson plans. So wow. they do have to do that now. But, but yes, I'm, I'm grateful too. So they kind of, you know, do come to me then more often and say, I need a read aloud for this. Um, but it's very important that, that we as librarians know the new books that are coming out mm -hmm. um, and know how they tie into curriculum because a lot of them have to be related to curriculum as much as we just want to have fun with books. A lot of them have to be in, you know, anticipatory sets or, you know, something that they're doing within the, the curriculum to tie it in somehow. But um, so it's important that we know the new books coming out, that we're familiar with them, especially picture books, because they're quick, they're easy, and they are um, easily tied into any curriculum. Um, if your state, yes, if your state has a list of books, 
I always read those for our state and, and we have a great committee that puts together our, our picture books and our chapter books. Um, but, uh, and they're both fiction and nonfiction. So that's great. They work in all the genres. Um, some are biographies, uh, you know, some are how-to books. They're just, they're great because you bring all of those into it. Mm -hmm. And so I always read those and then I always tied them into how they could work with their curriculum. Um, Mem Fox um, wrote a great book. She's an Australian author. If anybody's not familiar with her, you need to be familiar with her. And have all her books in your library. She's great. Um, and she, I had the pleasure of, of meeting her um, when I was doing my undergraduate work. And she came to our, camp, our campus. And uh, it was, oh, powerful, powerful, powerful. And her, the way she reads. But she reads, she wrote a book called Reading Magic, and it is a little older. Um, I think that the uh, latest version was 2008, but um, it is still so powerful. And what it intones is the, the idea of how powerful reading aloud is mm -hmm. and how your enjoyment of reading is half of the battle, half of the power, half of the importance of getting kids to love books. Um, I'll share with you a little anecdote. I was in um, our local pizza hut or Little Caesars Pizza about a year ago and I went in to order a pizza and I went in and said, hello, how are you today? And the guy that was behind the, um, the, the counter looked up, at, looked up at me and went, that voice, that voice, you, you were my librarian. And he didn't remember what I looked like or anything like that, but he remembered that I had read aloud to them <clears throat> and had remembered my voice <clears throat> and that was powerful to him. Yeah. I mean, remember I'm elementary, so I don't know when, you know, when I had him, I didn't remember his name by looks or anything like that, but, but he, you know, was at least 17, 18 and had, and remembered my voice. And that is so I, you know, that's the best testimony I can ever give. Yes. And so you've got to be, you've got to be a great reader. You have got to do, you've got to practice. If you aren't, if you feel that you're not, just make it special. Make your reading and the, and the love that you have for the book come out mm -hmm. in what you do and how you act. I used a lot of puppets um, in the library. Um, I, used, I, I used a lot of poetry there's a really great series called I'll Read to You, You Read to Me with poems. And oh, just so powerful. And I could get the teachers to do that back and forth with me. And, and it, it, that was so great. And, and you know, it, I just, I can't speak enough on it. I did the topic for parents. I had a, a, a class that I did during school for the parents that wanted it then, and I did it after school, and I did it in the evening. Mm -hmm. I did um, a little workshop on that and the importance of reading aloud to kids, especially at one time, I had 17 sections of pre-K in my school. Oh so my we God. had three and four-year-olds. And, um, and so that was the year that I said, oh, great, I have the audience. This is the perfect audience. And so you can, you, I mean, I know, See all my tabs in my book. I, I just, I, you know, went to this book over and over again and said, you know, you have to make reading fun. You just have to make reading fun. And, and, and Mem Fox speaks to the fact that, you know, she, she just would get to know a, a kid and, and just have fun with the book first, total fun. And then why would the kid not just be engaged? 
Yeah. And that's what I would encourage, even when I was in the classroom, and encourage my parents just have fun with language, have a ball with it. Don't make it tedious. Don't make it so you have to stop every 10 minutes and find the lesson in the book. Mm-hmm. Just read it and enjoy reading it. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, the research is out there. The research shows how powerful read alouds are. And if you can get, if you can get those kids, um, in front of a book from the time they're babies and on that their success in reading is is there. Yeah. I know there's some old research too from Jim Trelease. Do you remember that? Yes. Yes. And even just talking about it, it didn't matter your, your income level, you know, that your parents' education, that really and truly it was, it was the hearing, you know, of those words and those stories that made all the difference in the world and how successful the kids were um, throughout all of their education time. So yeah, yeah, the more we can do with that, definitely the better. All right, so let's go ahead. Um, You've shared so many awesome things with us today. I know you have a list of books that you wanted to talk about. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about some of your favorite things that that really helped you grow. Okay, well, um, uh, let me start with Donalyn Miller's The Book Whisperer. Okay. Um, she is, uh, of course, she was an educator and when she wrote the book. And so that really helped because so many people are so worried about the test, <laughs> the mm-hmm. test. Uh, so many educators are so worried about the test from the teachers whose accountability is there to the principals whose accountability is there to admin right. and everything else. And, and Donalyn was able to speak from a, an environment where she was enmeshed in the test. And so her book, her book was the one book, and I, I read it probably about halfway through my time of being in the library and, and out of the classroom, although I call my library my classroom. Yes. Um, <clears throat> but she, 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 hers is the only book that I read that went, you know what, that said to me, I could go back and be a reading teacher. I could go back to fifth grade, but again, my, my passion is the little ones. I said, I could go into the fifth grade classroom with this book in my hand and be a, a, a reading teacher mm-hmm. uh, because she just really puts it out there and it's all just about reading. It is yeah. truly, and I was able to share that book with several, I tried to get a principal to do it as a, as a school book. Yeah. Um, you know, some, some people do, some schools do that. Yeah. Um, and we did that under a couple of principals before that, uh, the book called Who Moved My Cheese, which is all about change, which is a very interesting book. It's not a long read, but it's very interesting. Yeah. Um, but, but this book just, and, and, they, and there is a chapter where she just speaks um, how close she was to the school librarian and how she's, she's at a uh, secondary level, at a middle school level. Yeah. But um, she speaks to the, the realities you know, a lot of things that you learn in your education are the ideal, you know, the ideal. When you go take your, your exit test or your uh, certification test, you know, it's, you've got you've to remember that, okay, what I'm thinking of is this is the ideal in order to answer the questions. Um, but, but she speaks to the reality. Right. And so it's a great book to read because then you can share it with others. Yeah. I, um, I shared it with a couple. I shared it with a teacher who was in fourth grade and he was moved from math science to language arts. And he's like, what do I do? I don't know what to do. And I was so excited that he came to me. So I was able to share, but which I guess just 
speaks again to, you know, he saw me as that resource and that's so exciting. And right. so I said, I want you to read this book over the summer and, uh, and, and you'll feel the passion. And so I, you know, he did. And, uh, and he wrote me, I, I, I still have this little sticky note that he wrote me that said, your suggestions changed the way that I viewed it and made me a great teacher. And my kids, I let my kids read because this was at a time when, again, we couldn't do, you know, we just did, they, it wasn't written into the curriculum. So exactly. they couldn't have read alouds in the classroom, nor could they give the kids time to read. Mm -hmm. I said, just let the kids read right. and let them read what they want. Not because it has to go with some program or something. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> and sure enough, he came back and said, the first day that I did that and let them read, they said, we love you. We love you so much because you just <laughs> let them read. Oh, power. I mean, power. It's just yeah. so powerful. So Reading Magic by Mem Fox. She also writes another book called Radical Reflections. Okay. Um, the subtitle is Passionate Opinions on Teaching, Learning, and Living. So just great books to, you know, if, if you're down in, in, you know, the drudgery of maybe routine and, and you can't get, you can't even, you know, get out of whatever the, the uh, if you're stuck in the routine of the schedule and, and you're, you're put in a rotation that you don't like, you know, these are books that you have fodder then to go to your principal and say, this is why I need to be able to have some flexibility within my schedule. Right. That's really important. Okay. Um, and then this growing schools librarians as professional developers, this reads more like a textbook. Okay. Um, but it has that you don't have to read it like the others. I would read it from cover to cover. This mm -hmm. one, just take, you know, go to your index uh, and take out what is going to be helpful for you. Okay. And there's also a book called The Tibrarian Handbook, Teacher Librarian, brought back, to, you know, brought together, um, A Teacher Librarian's Guide to Transforming the Library into a Center of Learning. You know, and with the Makerspaces movement, which came out a few years ago, and some people are still just got you know, you can really bring that STEM into the library. And I do, I do that in the mornings before school. So I'm open before school and I'm blessed to be able to have what I call my, um, I call it library joys because uh -huh. it's a joy to be in the library. Yes, that's awesome. So I'm blessed to not be, have, have duty, but I went, I did that on purpose. I didn't want to have duty, but more <laughs> important, I wanted kids in the library. Exactly. And so I created this area um, and that just, Every year I find different things and mostly I find them, well, not free, but I find them like with my scholastic points. I buy from the scholastic catalog and I put, you know, science things out there. I put, I put puzzles out there. I put all sorts of things out there. And then the kids come to the library before school and, um, and, you know, use those resources and have fun. And then I was ask you about your, that, how early are you there? Cause I know people are wondering how early would they need to open up? Sure. So, um, we as, <clears throat> as district librarians, we were asked to um, always be in our library a half an hour before the teachers were supposed to come and a half an hour after. So that okay. we caught those teachers, you know, that might need the library before and after. Okay. Um, I was, we start, we start school at 745. I'm usually there by seven, sometimes 645, but by seven. Goodness. Okay. <laughs> children come in and I, I lead a prayer group too. So I usually come in. Um, some some paras have to be in by seven, so I always wanted, and, and they were like, I have to be at my duty station at seven, and I said, well, you know, we'll do prayer then early, so we do prayer about 6.50, 6.55, so I'm there just before seven. Okay. 
Um, but um, the students come in at 715. Okay. And so I'm open and ready for the students at 715. Perfect. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. And then after school, um, I was always there for until again, we end school at 315. I'm, I'm always there to four unless I have a meeting. That I have to be in. So okay. and usually later, but I'm always there to four. So. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I cannot um, tout enough is the power of your professional journals, which I'm sure you've had experience with in your coursework. But um, find, you know, the ones that that work for you. Of course, you definitely want to be informed as you're doing your book selection. Mm -hmm. And so those, you know, professional reviews, and you can get a lot of that online, you know, SLGs online, the Horn books online, you can get a lot of that online. I am old fashioned in that I like to have a magazine in front of me. And you know, <laughs> although I, I didn't necessarily deem it as homework, I enjoy reading my magazines at night. So, you know, I would do that. Um, but even, you know, aside from School Library Journal and Hornbook, which are, are more professional in their nature, um, the School Library Media Specialist um, magazine and the um, Teacher Librarian mm -hmm. uh, magazines speak more towards lessons and activities you can do with kids. And so they're really great as well. Um, don't forget the power of your vendors. Your vendors mm -hmm. are very helpful in so many ways. Um, because now they offer so many curriculum integrated things and you can tap into, you know, um, the power of those curriculum related follet, you know, which is out there and everywhere. Right. Um, but it has so many things that directly enhance the curriculum for your teachers. And mm -hmm. if you can really help your teachers to have an understanding of how these, these things can work with them and that they're resources. It's not more you have to go do, it's a resource right there for you that tie those books into your curriculum, which is what so many of them want and need. Um, so your vendors are very powerful. Get to know them and uh, really understand how they want to be there. They'll come to your school, they'll help you out, they'll, they're yeah. supportive. And they'll come and show you how to use the database and, and to, your, uh, to your advantage. Um, and they'll advocate for you. They'll even, I know our vendor would come and say, I'm happy to meet with your board and show them, you know, the power of this. And I will be happy to meet with them and show them why there's value in the buck and spending the buck on this piece of your, um, you know, this, maybe this piece that would, would enhance mm -hmm. the, uh, the database and, and, you know, the, they're not willing to shell out the money for it. You know, our, our vendor said, I'm happy to meet with them. I'm happy to show them this. Okay. So, you know, your vendors are really great in that regard as well. So um, those are, are the resources that I think that are very powerful that you need to be aware. Oh, also the Facebook uh, groups. Oh, there are library and Facebook groups out there and they, you know, you can, you can search, you know, within that, that group and find, even if you're new to them, you know, find um, and find things that have already been talked about, or you can just put it out there and people are happy to respond. It's yeah. I don't think a lot of people know that you can search in those groups. Like I didn't know it right away, but you know, I've, I've learned it since then, but you can put like the word weeding, you know, on the search and anytime they've talked about weeding the collection, that'll pop up or put makerspace, you know, that'll pop up. So th th that search feature is very, very handy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, Robin, it's been awesome listening to all the great ideas you've had today. So if any of our listeners want to connect with you, where can they find you online? So, um, don't have my own blog. I don't profess to be a writer, nor do I want to be. 
Um, but uh, I am on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and um, they can always email me. So um, all those areas, and I believe that that's all up. Um, yeah, add that in the show notes for them. And the resource, resource list for them. And so they're welcome to friend me in any of those areas. And uh, I use Twitter probably more as, as my professional tool. Okay. Um, uh, all, and, and my groups in Facebook. Um, but other than that, it, they're my, inst I don't do, I don't do a lot on Instagram. I, I'm more of a stalker. Of yeah, Instagram. me too. <laughs> yeah. I really enjoy some of the, like the Texas wildlife page and those kinds of things. Um, and, uh, but Twitter's, I use more professionally. All right. Well, Robin, thanks so much for your time today. I hope you have a, a great day today and I look forward to following you and learning more from you. So have, Thank have a great day. All right. Bye-bye. Quite an honor. Thank you so much. God bless you. Bye-bye.